Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Well, on behalf of everyone here at Christchurch Forward, let me wish you all a very happy Christmas and let me thank you for coming uh, this evening to join with us in this service of Carols by Candlelight. If you've never met me before, my name is Paul Williams. Uh, Come to that even if you have met me before, my name is still Paul Williams. And I tell you that because names are very important and especially when it comes to the birth of a baby. Do you remember back in July, as the nation awaited news of William and Kate's baby, the future monarch, and then all the excitement of seeing the little one, and then wanting to know what they'd call him? Names are important. Royal baby or commoner, the name of your child is a huge decision. If you're a parent here, you're sure to remember how you came to decide what to call your firstborn. You may have bought one of those little books that tell you the names of me, uh, the meaning of names, And you will know as well as me that if you are Nigel, you are the champion. At least that's what your parents hoped when they gave you that name. If your name is Helen, you are pleasant. Claire, bright. Peter, the rock. Paul, the little one. (laughs) Now, I don't know whether you know what your name means or the great hopes and aspirations your parents had for you when they gave you your name, But the name that was given to the Christ child was very important. And the way it came to be given was anything but ordinary. Because the birth of the Lord Jesus was anything but ordinary. That one birth has had such an impact on the world that it has split the whole of time in two, BC and AD. And so important was it that here we are 2,000 years later and 2,000 miles away from where it first happened and we are celebrating the event. What we're remembering today then is anything but ordinary. And we can know what is so extraordinary about it from his name. Here's what we heard in the reading from Matthew's Gospel. The angel appeared to Joseph and said to him, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. It's remarkable. All the uncertainty of the event was taken away. This was, of course, pre-scanning days and Joseph was told he would have a son. And when it came to the name, there was no discussion about it, no searching through one of those little books to find just the right name. No, an angel came to Joseph and said, you ought to call him Jesus because names are important. And his name, Jesus, means saviour. You are to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so every time we hear the name Jesus, we should think saviour. When we sing the name Jesus in the carols, we should think saviour. When we... uh, See the name Jesus on Christmas cards. We should think saviour. And when we're in the office at work and someone shouts out Jesus, we should think saviour. Jesus has come to save us from our sins. Now look, is it me or does it get harder every year to know what to buy people for Christmas? I've had people asking me this year, what do you want for Christmas? And I just can't think of anything. And because I've been struggling to tell, tell people what I want, I've been looking at those bucket lists that have become all the rage. Have you come across bucket lists? They are the lists of things that you'd like to do before you die, before you kick the bucket. That's how they get their name, bucket lists. So on the internet, there are bucket lists of 100 books you should read before you die, 100 films you should watch before you die, 100 places you should visit before you die, 100 things you should do before you die. The problem is there's so many suggestions you can't possibly do them before, before you die. That said, they are great lists. And inspired by these lists, here are three things on my bucket list. I'd like to visit Niagara Falls. I'd like to do a bungee jump. 
Not over Niagara Falls, you understand. And I'd like to ride on an ostrich. I think that can be done. Now, there are two other things, two other things that I must mention be, that I'd like to do before I die. I'd like to stroke a Komodo dragon and I'd like to run a marathon. But I put both of those things way down my list because they might be the very last thing I do before I do die. Now, look, as I, re- as I read through these lists, I came across one that really struck me. It's the bucket list of the BBC journalist Helen Fawkes, who last Christmas Eve discovered she had incurable ovarian cancer. On receiving the news, she wrote these words. I felt waves of shock, sadness and anger. But I also knew that once I'd come to terms with the devastating news, I was going to make the most of the time I had left. I thought about the things I might never do. I started to write down some of the stuff in my reporter's notebook. This was the start of my bucket list. Get a dog. Explore the ancient ruins in Rome. Take a speedboat down the Thames. Have my book published. Learn to play poker. And see penguins in the the South Pole. Things you want to do before you die. I have loved reading these lists because people come up with such good ideas, such imaginative things to do. And yet on the other hand, I find these lists so frustrating because none of them say what must be the most important thing that we should all do before we die, and that is be prepared to die. And that's where Christmas can help us. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that's so important because until that happens, until I have been forgiven for all the wrong in my life, I'm not ready to die. I am not ready to meet my maker. But what a thing it would be to be ready for that final day when I find myself standing before Almighty God. As the vicar of this church in the last year, I've had the great privilege of being involved in some of the happiest moments in people's lives. I've baptised babies. I've pronounced couples to be man and wife in this very church. But I've also been involved in some of the hardest moments. This year, I've sat with a number of people in the last days of their life. I think of one of them, Georgina. She was an inspiration. As I talked with her, she not only faced her death with courage and dignity, but she also had great confidence that she was ready to meet her God. That's possible through Jesus Christ. And it's something we all need. One of the things I I love doing after Christmas is looking through all the photos we've taken over Christmas. Yeah, photos of us on Christmas morning opening our presents. Photos of us around the the, the Christmas lunch table with, with paper hats on our heads, that sort of thing. I love looking at the photos, but sometimes, and I wonder if if this has happened to you, sometimes I see a photo that someone has taken of me and it makes me cringe. It's hard to believe that I look like that, that that I was pulling that stupid face, that that my nose is really that long. Why are you laughing? Anyway, (laughs) the the point is this, I, I don't always see myself as I am. My perception of myself is very different to how I actually look. And what is true of an image on a camera is true of an image of my life ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls may I ask you to look honestly into your life for a moment not not just to look at what you think you look like but to see what you actually look like I found that I see the real me when I look at my thought life to people who don't know me very well I hope I appear to be a pretty decent bloke I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but I hope that most consider me to be a reasonable uh, citizen who works hard and pays his taxes. But of course, what none of you see is what goes on in here, in my mind. No one knows what I think about. 
What I think about when people upset me. Look, I've had the most wicked thoughts about some people. Some people have so upset me, I've wanted them out of my life and off this planet. I've wanted bad things to happen to people because they've crossed me. You can't see it, but what goes on in my head is very revealing. I've thought things I shouldn't think about others. I've wanted things I shouldn't want. In my mind, I've said things I shouldn't say. Now, does that connect with you? If it does, then you can see why we all need to be forgiven. Because just looking at the track record of my thought life alone tells me I'm in no fit state to meet Almighty God. And that's why Christmas is such good news. Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Through Jesus, I can be forgiven. I love everything about Christmas. I love the food. A traditional Christmas lunch with turkey and stuffing and roast potatoes and Brussels sprouts. Yes, I love Brussels sprouts. I love the crackers, uh, the paper hats, the worthless toys and the terrible jokes. Yeah, I love terrible jokes. I love playing games with the family, charades and Monopoly and tiddlywinks. And I love the presents, especially the presents. I love exchanging gifts. So when my brother arrives this year on December the 27th, he'll give me a present and I'll give him one. He'll open his and it'll be a jumper. I'll open mine and it'll be a jumper. (laughs) It's great fun. (laughs) Having said that, exchanging presents can be precarious as a friend of mine discovered 25 or 30 years ago now. Uh, Just after Christmas, all those years back, I met up with some friends and, and one of them told the rest of us what his girlfriend had bought him for Christmas. He was very excited. Now remember, this was some years back. With great excitement, my friend told us that his girlfriend had bought him a state-of-the-art hi-fi system with surround sound, four speakers with bass woofers, the lot. It was a pretty serious piece of kit and must have cost a pretty packet. And after he'd explained all that it did and how excited he was by it, another friend of mine asked him, and what did you buy your girlfriend for Christmas? And looking rather sheepish, he said, a matching bobble hat and scarf. A hi-fi system a matching bobble hat and scarf. Now, that's hardly a fair exchange, but it perfectly illustrates the great exchange that is at the heart of the Christmas message. Jesus loves us so much that he died for us on the cross. And he says to you, you give me all your sin, all those things you've done wrong in your life. And not just the wrong things you've done, but the wrong things you've said and the wrong thoughts you've had. Jesus says, you give me all that and I'll take it from you as I die on the cross. You give me your sin and I'll give you forgiveness and friendship with God. And you'll be ready ready to meet God when you die. And you can have eternal life beyond the grave. Now that's hardly a fair exchange. But that's what Jesus gives. And that's why he was given the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Writing on the BBC website, Helen Fawkes, the BBC correspondent who discovered last year that she had incurable ovarian cancer, speaking of her bucket list and her chemotherapy, she wrote these words. It's so vital to have something to look forward to. I may be fighting a killer disease, but I still need some hope in my life. That's exactly what Jesus Christ gives us. Something to look forward to. Whatever life throws at us, a hope beyond the grave. Because he saves his people from their sins, we can face death with confidence. That's his gift to us. So let me ask you, why don't you take the gift? 
As a child, I was so excited when it came to presents. I couldn't wait to open mine, and my children are exactly the same. And so it won't surprise you to hear that never, not once in our family, have we ever left a present under the tree unwrapped. But remarkably, that's what many people do with this gift, the greatest Christmas gift of all. They never open it. And I can't understand why. I can't understand why anyone wouldn't want to be forgiven and have God as your friend and know that you are ready to meet your maker. And so I'd like to invite you back after Christmas to hear more about this gift and how to take it. On the inside back cover of the programme you were given on the way in, you'll see an invitation. It's an invitation to join us on Tuesday the 14th of January for what we've called a Christianity Explored Taster Evening. Take this, please, as my personal invitation to you. I'll be there on that evening to welcome you. We'll put on a delicious meal for you and we guarantee you a warm welcome. And it's all absolutely free. And on that evening, we'll begin to explore how to take this Christmas gift of forgiveness and being right with God. Just one evening, it will cost you nothing, and you could discover the most important thing in the universe. Well, thanks again for coming along this evening. Let me wish you a very happy Christmas. And now as we near the end of our service, sit back and listen to the choir singing The Truth From Above.